there were red flags right away. Where's all the money coming from? You add new things to the farm, but not to scale. Because if he's not doing it to scale, if he's not making enough money, but he bought a really super expensive tractor brand new with all the fixings. I've never known a farmer to do that, by the way. When I see your fences, honey, you got money. So the other day, this lady on the internet asked me how much money I made on our farm. And not just like how much money we make from our farm and our farming operations, which is a number that I usually report once a year. So when it comes down to how much money did we make farming in 2022, it ended up being $18,560.86. But specifically, she wanted to know how much money I made from making videos and podcasts and writing books and doing all the social media content that I do. And for a number of reasons, that's not a number that I usually give out. But there was something in the way that this woman asked her questions and the way she talked about me and my farm and how she'd been following my farm for a very long time that actually made me want to reach out to her and have a conversation. And specifically, she seemed really frustrated with me and I wanted to understand why. And so I sent her a message on Instagram and said, hey, would you like to chat? And this woman, whose name is Karina, and she lives out in Michigan with her husband, she was actually kind enough to say, yeah, I'll hop on a video call with you and we can have a conversation and you can record it. And then you can broadcast that conversation to all the people who listen to your podcast. And I would be totally cool with that. And so earlier today, we hopped on a video call and had a very interesting conversation about our farm, how much money my farm actually makes, the moral and ethical dilemma that my farm presents, and she gave me some very good feedback on what I should do about it all. We started watching early on when you had the ducks because it is really hard to find good videos on how to care for ducks properly. Like, really hard. Chickens, no problem. There are 50 million videos. But ducks, especially when we started in 2019, not so much. And so we really appreciated having somebody showing, you know, this is what I do. This is what I found. We also have very cold winters. How do you deal with water? How do you deal with, you know, heat? How do you deal with all these things? There was some really good stuff there. So we kept watching. But I think where we started having concerns was it's like you, you add new things to the farm, but not to scale. Now, I grew up on the edge of a farming family. And, you know, I grew up uh, when my dad and my stepmom got married. My stepmom's family farm was one of the biggest in the county. It was a big grain farm. You know, so I've rocked fields. I, <laughs> you know, we raised our own beef cattle. We raised our own hogs. My first pet was goat, you know, that back to the land thing in the 70s and 80s that a lot of people did. My, you know, my brothers and I, we were right there. And when you have grown up with it, you know that there's a big difference between doing it for your family and doing it for money. It's a business. When you are a farm, it's a business. And in order to do any business, you have to do it to scale, right? I mean, just look at it from social media. I do a few videos a year just because my friends ask for duck videos. That's not to scale, right? I would have to do a video a day. And I would have to have more followers. And it's all about scale. Because if I wanted to make money off of it, it'd have to be a business. So, I'm, you know, we would watch your videos and you would say, you know, this is a farm and I'm doing the business and I want to make money. And then I'm looking at it and I'm like, none of this is to scale. Like, this is not like, okay, the trees maybe. Okay, the trees. But 
the ducks, you'd have to do more. The geese, you'd have to do more. And then when you started, where I started really getting frustrated was when you added in the cattle. And so I started looking at, you know, because just having raised cattle, there were red flags right away. The fencing was not going to be adequate. The space had not been checked for problems for their hooves, you know, just things like that. So I started going down into the comments on your YouTube videos and people were giving you really good feedback, but you were not engaging with it at all. And then my husband was actually the one to start asking, where's all the money coming from? Because if he's not doing it to scale, if he's not making enough money, if he's got like 5000 in profit, but he bought a really super expensive tractor brand new with all the fixings. I've never known a farmer to do that, by the way, like ever. <laughs> so that was an automatic like red flag to, the, to me. It was right, like, right. oh, where the money? That is money. That I mean, and that makes perfect sense. And and this is the dilemma I have. And and this is, I've right. tried my best. And this is why I actually asked and I'm like, oh, I want to talk to this lady and like get her perspective. So. There's two parts to what I do for a living. There is the farm right. and there's the content and like making videos. And and right. those two parts are what I do. I could not do either without the other. Like full okay. stack. And I feel like I'm pretty transparent about that. I could not, um, you know, basically run the farm without the social media money actually propping some of those pieces up for sure. And oh, yeah. I actually don't think I'd be successful in making social media content if I wasn't talking about my farm because that's what I'm passionate about and that's what's interesting. And so those two things are like essentially make for the single entity. And and so you can argue, oh, that's not a traditional farm. And I'd be the first to say that. But the dilemma I have is you can't do one without the other. That's that is I, I would argue that to, to the Well I think you've set up your business that way. You know, I think you've set up your business that they're intertwined. Right. right. But 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 each business, right, has its own strategic choices you make. So when I started right. in 2018, my plan was I wanted to be the biggest duck egg seller in northern New England. Like that was like my goal. And I would ultimately find a way to do distribution into Boston. And like that was like the vision I had in the back of my mind. But as right. I started to do it and started to see kind of what worked and what didn't, what I was finding was the duck egg operation itself wasn't going to scale. And duck eggs are, are such a really bad business to be in and to begin with, as you probably <laughs> have from, from I mean, you have to have yeah like we've we have found to sell duck eggs you have to have a very set clientele you have got to find them and you've got to keep them happy and you that have a different geography than at least i have i don't know quite your situation right. but you know if i'm looking at my nearest metro situations like you know say montreal i've got border crossings right. that's complicated oh. Boston is three and a half hours away. And so right. I guess I could start producing and selling at farmer's markets once a week there, but that doesn't make sense. And so like that was where I was come, say, the fall of 2018 and into early 2019. But I was seeing okay. at the same time, like, wow, well, the videos seem to be getting traction. And so let me just keep making that and doing this and see kind of where it goes. And so like that is essentially the story of how my farm grew and like started to go. And so that's where I started to kind of say, well, let me see where this goes and let me keep riding this out. I still had a day job. You know, when I started up here yeah. in 2018, I had taken a new job here in Vermont, 2019, 2020, 21. I was working full time, not not just like, oh, right. like a part time job. I was It was like a 50 to 60 hour a week job that I was doing right. on top of everything else. Like and most so, farmers. Like that. 
Yeah, right. I mean, and, and that's and that's the truth. And even if you look at what I'm doing right now, if I'm going to be honest in accounting for how much time I'm spending working on the farm each week, in the summer months, it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like 35 to 45-ish hours a, a week. In the mm-hmm. winter months, it's probably about 15 to 20 hours a week in terms of like actual farm work that I'm doing on the farm each week. Right. And, and things slow down. Yeah, things slow down a lot, especially up here. And and so then where am I working all my other time? It's I'm writing a book right now. I'm, you know, editing more videos. I'm doing podcasts. And, and so like it's much like a farmer who's working an off farm job, except they are intertwined. And then the other thing yeah. that I see in a difference is if I'm thinking about my distribution model, right? Like if I'm thinking about like, uh, OK, I spend every Saturday at the farmer's market, for example, that's something I could do. But that's say eight or nine hours out of my day versus if I took that time and made some videos and then sold, you know, essentially product through that, which is how I do my goose operation, that actually, it just makes more sense for me and it's more efficient. I think, you know, one thing you said about my operations not being to scale, I'd actually challenge that a little bit, right? Because the ducks, 100% not to scale. Chickens, 100% not to scale, doesn't even remotely make sense. Um, But I like to have ducks and chickens and eggs and that's why I do it. The geese actually are. I I think, you know, so this year I harvested 55 geese I also sold, oh gosh, I don't have my number right in front of me, but it was more than 25 packs of goose eggs um, in the spring. And, you know, if I'm selling a pack of four at $70 a piece, that's a decent business to be in. And if I'm also then thinking about, I probably sold about 20-ish or so goslings over the course of the spring too. And so if I look at each of those pieces and add them all up together, and then I'm selling 55 geese, say an average weight of 15, of uh, average weight of about 10 pounds, per goose at $15 per pound. Yeah, that's not enough money to, you know, put me in 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 like, you know, riches, but at the same time I feel like that that's an operation that's moving towards essentially scale and is profitable. So if I'm lessing my expenses, lessing my infrastructure related to running that specific piece, that's a distinction. I I can understand where you're coming from on that, but I guess my question then is what is the true farm product? If the true farm product is the social media, then the rest is almost um, like window dressing for the social media. You know, it's what you've created in order to continue. And to me, that's marketing. You know, a lot of what you do on the social media just says marketing to me. You're marketing this, you're marketing that. But if that ultimately is your true farm product, then where here's where I get a little grumpy. And I'm just... yeah. Speaking as no, a no, this, this is why I wanted to have this guy. I really appreciate you engaging. <laughs> this is where I get I'm going to get on my <laughs> Here's my little soapbox. There are so many in the homesteading world who their real true product is the marketing. They're writing the books. They're doing the videos. They're doing all. And they, they have convinced all these people that you can do this. Everybody can homestead and you can do this and blah, blah, blah. And they don't talk about and they don't admit how very you know, much they have to subsidize their homestead, how much money you need to start up with in order to homestead the knowledge base that you need ahead of time. Or they'll, they talk about the beginner level homestead, but they never really talk about much more than that. And that makes me wonder, do you do more than the beginning level? You know, or is it just that that's where the money is? You know, and... When we started getting serious about homesteading, we grew up this way, so it's not like I magically started. But when we got more serious in 2019, because I had two teenage boys to feed at home, 
I'm just saying. Um, my son, when he was on the swim team, this is why we got serious. When my son was on the high school swim team, he started averaging 6,000 calories a day. And then... <laughs> well, that's a lot to feed. Yeah. <laughs> and then my husband turned to me at a swim meet and said, my son should be on the swim team next year, too. And all I could think of was two boys at a high school swim. How are we feeding them? How are we, like, what did my stepmom do when she married my dad and we had all four of us? What'd she do? She put in an acre garden. We got cattle. We got hogs. We, you know, well, it worked for her. But I had a lot of knowledge base. And when I see a lot of the stuff from these, you know, homesteading influencers, it has really stopped being about, here, these, this is the basic knowledge that you need. It turns into marketing. You know, you need to buy this. This is the best tool ever. You know, you need to, everybody needs to get into this. If you really are a serious one, you've got to do this and you need this stuff. And you, and here my, you know, I'm sponsored by, you know, and I'm watching that as somebody who grew up with it thinking that's, what is your product? If your product is the marketing you're just selling me a story. You know, I if I'm watching the videos, I'm looking for information. I'm looking for skills that I need to learn. I'm looking for a knowledge base that I need and, you know, or answers to questions that I have. And it gets really, I mean, I understand the vast majority of people watching your videos probably aren't coming from that perspective. But then it makes me a little grumpy when I'm like, you know, I'm seeing just Speaking as somebody who grew up in rural Michigan, when I see your fences, honey, you got money. Those are money fences. <laughs> like the first video. Oh, so you put the fence that I bet this year. I mean, I, I probably outlaid about you know three thousand dollars in materials to build my like the the perimeter fence for my cattle. Or yeah, I probably got a thousand dollars in fencing reels and poly wire for moving the cattle oh, on a daily basis. Yeah, I looked so, at the fence. You know, when you put that new fencing up, I'm like, ooh. Right, but but I, I guess here here's where I, I want to push on a little and agree with you on some of that. So I think one component of it is this. I feel like I have tried as much as I can, and this is part of why I wanted to have this conversation and record it and put it out there, right? Of saying, hey, look, I'm not paying all my bills by just doing this. Look, we are two people who have good off-farm incomes, and that's what we do, and that's how we're paying our core bills. And we're able to do it. We're not stretched, say, as thin as you and your husband. And, and I don't ever try to, to position it as such. Right. I think, though, the, the thing I push back on is when you say that the product is purely marketing, that's all we do. I And, and like the farm stuff is just window dressing. I actually don't feel that way. And I really do try okay. to run each part of the farm as a P&L and have a payback and have essentially a business plan associated with each of those. And if you look at like my annual videos of like how the farm makes money, right, like when I do those... As I'm breaking down the farming operations, I'm trying to allocate as much of that cost as possible to each of those things. So when I'm allocating to the geese, all the goose-related costs, I'm trying to keep as true as possible. Yeah, there's right. things like I'm defraying property taxes that you know some people might not have that advantage of. But then again, we don't. This is that's this is our home, so like you know, like how yeah. much of that am I like allocating? Yeah, so it's it, really messy. They, it, there's always money missing out of it. And so you're saying in the video, you know, this is about transparency and I'm telling you everything, but the cattle don't go on this year's. 
you bought them this year, right? Because but, the, you know, well, no, but but you're, but that's not how you do it. But I see, I challenge you really there. That's not how you do accounting. So if you're thinking about a business and you're thinking about accounting for a business, when you make large infrastructure purchases like fencing or a tractor or even like building a new barn, right? You actually have you know a depreciation schedule that you attach to it. Any well, full-on farmer is going to talk talk about that piece, right? They and so to, to say that I'm not counting, I'm not talking about, you know, counting the cattle that like the cost of like, I I paid $5,000 for my initial herd of cattle, right? As like, that's the number right. that went there. And so, yeah. But that's not said in the video. When you go into like, you know, gap accounting practices, people get bored. Yeah, I'm so a, like that's part of the, that's part of the balance that I have to strike. Right. And right, okay. yes, you guys are further yeah. down, but am I going to spend, yeah. you know, in a 20 minute video, 10 minutes explaining down a gap accounting practices to people who have no idea what I'm talking about and how to think about, you know, either cost allocation within a different P&L or thinking about like depreciation schedules and, you know, standard and non-standard well, depreciation schedules. what if you did Nobody this? cares. I mean, most people yeah, but don't care. What, if, maybe what if you did this? <laughs> this is a, a, just a throwing an idea out there. Oh, I, you have made a big you have made a big thing about transparency and wanting to make sure that people know. But when you say that and then you hide information, those are oil and water. They don't mix. What if you did do the monthly blog or something where you did explain all of that stuff and said, this is the stuff. If you really want to know, this is the stuff. You know, I've got this, you know, I'm dealing with this much money to play with. This is why I'm allocating it this way. Idea. I, I like, I I like what you're saying. So actually, you know what I think I'm going to do, and this is part of like how my content's shifting a little bit. So in the main video, I will probably not go into depreciation schedules at least right. in that video, just for the same reason I just said. But you know, since I've been doing these longer podcasts where they can be like an hour or even two hours, I'm going to probably make a podcast follow up, and I might even use a clip of us talking here for it. Uh, I like that. Like, here's a podcast follow up where I actually dive in, and so that's a video that I'm planning for December because I just don't have all my numbers ticked and tied yet. Right. Um. But like, yeah, when I do that, probably you know Thursday the short video goes out, and then Friday, yeah, maybe I'll sit down in my office and just like bang through something like that. I, I actually really like that idea. Um. To try but to then you're following through on what you're really saying. But if somebody isn't interested, they don't have to. But you can always point back to that then. If somebody calls you out and says, hey, you said transparency, uh, check that podcast from the week later. And I think that would help. I, I will say the other thing that I would challenge you on is, and this is just something I've seen in, in the comments and dealing with, you know, you have a lot of really strong fans who know absolutely nothing about farming or homesteading you do it you have cute animals and they like cute animal videos nothing wrong with that you grab the audience that you can but you have people who do know putting comments in there saying things like i remember when you moved the cattle to the barn and you moved the the fence you know you had cattle people in the comments saying that fence is wrong that is not the right fence for that um you need to check the the soil there. Have you run, you know, metal detectors? You're going to get a, you know, that's a barn midden. That's what they did back in the day. They would throw metal and glass and whatever. And you better, let, you know, you better take care of that. Or your cattle are going to get stuff in their hooves and they can get sick and die. And, 
oh my gosh. First of all, I never saw through any of that you interact with any of them. You often would talk about your haters and then these people would come out of the woodwork. You don't know farming. He knows more about farming than you do. You, you, can't, you can't attack him. He, he's this amazing farmer. And, you don't, and it's like, girl, I, I, I've done cattle longer than you've probably been alive. So I'm just saying, like, you know, I shouldn't have to talk about my bona fides. He's the one getting, try, you know, and it was multiple people trying to give you good advice. If you don't interact with them in the comments... And, you know, and they are seen as negative or attacking when they're just trying to give some constructive criticism that I would hope any farmer would want. You know, that I think it would be important on your end as the content creator to say, hey, when I say haters, I'm not talking about the people giving me good advice. I'm not talking yeah, about well, that. I'm talking about. Yeah, let me. So, so let me talk about that very specifically, because I, I think you raise a good point here. And again, it's me trying to do my best and probably not being great about it. So number one, yeah, I actually always appreciate when somebody who knows what they're talking about, and I usually am pretty good at sussing out the difference, even though I might not know the thing, or at least it makes me stop and then do some additional research and then say, oh yeah, that person knows what they're talking about. So, so I, I try to do my best to do that. At the same time, like I'm, tip, you know, I'm putting out four long videos a week. I'm putting out, you know, half a dozen short videos a week. I'm putting out videos on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. I typically will go in in the first 24 hours and look at a video's comments, respond, react, do some stuff. There's a lot of times where I'm not going to go back. It's just because I just don't have the sheer time because each video you're putting out creates another train of... And so I right. can't. I just... I physically can't. I would spend my entire day simply managing comments and still be behind if I tried to respond right. and react to each one. And so I can't quite referee that. I think your point, though, and I'm look, I'm saying it right here, and I'll, I'll put this out as part of this conversation, right? Like, yeah, there. You know, I think sometimes folks can number one just because they see somebody on the internet think that that person knows everything. When I feel like part of my content and part of what I've been trying to do since day one is say, hey, I'm a guy who knows nothing about farming. Watch me start to learn and try to figure things out, and I will show you what that's like. That's what I feel like all my videos have always been. Right. Regardless of when I was starting with the ducks to adding the cattle to where I am today. Like each of those things is me doing my best to share. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I've learned. Never ever right. do I want anyone to think that I'm an expert because I, I don't feel that's the case. And in fact, I've definitely learned more from commenters than I feel like I've probably taught people over the years. If I had to guess what the ledger ultimately looks like. That's fair. I think maybe just the occasional comment of when I'm saying haters, I'm not talking about these people, you know, and because yeah, no, I, people I, I, think that talking, I think that that's a really good point. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's, <laughs> that is exceptionally fair. And I, pro I don't say that enough. I think you're I think you're right about that. I, I actually feel like I made a video. It was about it was last summer where I was actually talking about haters. And I actually went to a guy's farm who's a goat farmer down in southern Vermont. Just to like talk about him and learn from him because, yeah, there are some haters or some people who are negative, but they actually know what they're talking about. He would be an example of somebody who I was like, yeah, he knows what he's talking about. He's a goat farmer. He's got some of these experiences with ruminants and yeah. some of the things he's calling out are, are legit. And that's why when I was looking for people to talk to, he was like one of the first people on my list. Um, Good. And yeah. so so I think you're right. But but I, I don't say it enough. And, and part of what I struggle with is this, right? I put out a video and I say something and I'm very, very intentional in what I say, but then right. everybody's going to see every single video. So for example, when you brought right. up the tractor earlier, right? 
Like in the video where I show, hey, look, I just got a new tractor. I literally say in the video, this is not something I would buy right now. This is something that's almost entirely paid for by YouTube ad revenue. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and so yeah. I say that, right? I don't say that every single time I pull out the tractor. I don't, because it would be, I feel like it would be almost right. exhausting. But to your point, maybe it's like I got to do like every once in a while another reminder. But that's, it's part of my struggle where it's like, I feel, I feel like I put these things out there. But yeah, I mean, if I put so much content out there, not everybody's going to see every single thing and the impression and the assumptions that can get created. I, I think that that's very fair in terms of like, you know, how do I try to strike a balance? And, and I don't think I have a great solution, but your, your point is well taken there. Well, I, you know, like my mom always, my mom grew up with horses. We, she had horses most of my life. And mom always said, you can tell the difference between rich horse people and regular horse people by the fences. <laughs> because rich horse people have the nice fences. You know, they've got that expensive fencing that when you go and you look at it at the store, you're like, that's how much, uh, that, that's how much again? And I have how many? Acres to, wow, okay, what's my next cheaper option? And I've seen that with so many homesteaders. You know, like for our ducks, we obviously have to fence off the garden because they're ducks. (laughs) And so, you know, when you've watched a duck just go right down your row of lettuce, you're like, that can't happen again. (laughs) And so you get really serious about your fencing. But, you know, do I have the money for the really fancy, movable, you know, solar, battery, electric? No. We, you know, we don't have that kind of money. So we, you know, find what we can on Facebook Marketplace and we work this out and we move that around and everything. And then when you see somebody with really nice, expensive fencing, my first thought is they've got money, you know. And them, and when I watch your videos at the end of the year and it's very clearly not coming from the farm profit, to me, that says it's either from private sources you had before farming or the social media marketing. And, you know, which, which that's 100 percent true. I mean, so, so yeah. you know, I guess to, to like just do a slight nuance there. Right. So when I buy like I just bought some new perimeter netting for the chickens this year, when I buy that. Um, I'm allocating that cost over a three year period because that's my, you know, essentially depreciation schedule. I treat for fencing like that. I'm, I'm, right. I'm buying, I'm yeah, buying you, that. I'm I, allocating yeah. a third of that cost to my chicken operation. And, and so that's how I'm handling it. And so I try to do make right. that fall into that infrastructure line item when I'm doing my final P and L for say chicken eggs at the end of the year. But that right. said, when I, I think, you know, like when I was starting, all my startup money just came from myself. I I don't have like an inheritance or like a trust fund or anything. My mom growing up was a nurse. My dad was a teacher. So I feel like it's pretty standard middle-class background. But at the same time, like I worked a lot I had very high paying jobs and, you know, very good savings rate. And even the job that I was working when I was, you know, starting the farm, you know, paid me a good salary. And so, you know, that was where my startup capital came from. That's where I got the money to buy the farm. And then as right. I've gone and as things have grown with social media, you know, if you look, especially past like 2020 and 2021, all of that stuff, yeah, I'm funding it with like YouTube dollars or Facebook dollars. And, and right. you know, again, I feel like, you know, I try to talk about that and it, it is an unfair comparison. And I, and I think the struggle is this, and I have friends who are content creators as well, who actually started in different places than I did, where they were like, 
you know, getting their stuff repossessed on the regular basis and, you know, dealing with like some real struggle to like just even keep their land. And it wasn't until like follower counts and views start to go up that they start to get the money to deal with that. And in in a weird way, and this is why they don't disclose it, much like I'm, I'm uncomfortable disclosing it too. A lot of folks will resent you for that when at the same time, it's not like they're, you know, um, how do I put it? It's not like they're not earning that money, I guess is maybe the way to put it. They, right. They, it's you know, just, it's not posted. In different, it's, yeah. It's a, di- right. it's not I, really form product. Yeah. Oh, completely. But, but I mean, who's out there actually saying, Hey, I'm, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I shouldn't say this because I actually think of two people who are doing this. Who's out there right yeah. now saying, Oh, I pay for everything with the homestead. Like, and, and, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be the first person to tell you homesteading is a very, very difficult way to save money. It's a, I mean, you probably could, could talk about that. Yeah. Homesteading, you don't homestead for money. And that's actually one of the problems I have with a lot of influencers. And that is one of the reasons why we stayed watching you as long as we did was because at least you were honest, you know, the farm did not pay for this, you know, and you do say that and it's little comments here and there. Um, I would like having the more information added later of let me explain what I mean by that and where it's coming from. I can understand what you're saying. I can't say how much I'm making on the social media because there are certain things you don't disclose in business in order to stay in business. I mean, that makes sense. Most people, I think, if you just explained it that way, would totally be, oh, well, of course, if you're negotiating with a sponsor, you don't tell us. I have said I have said exactly that in at least the last two, if not three videos of like how much money the farm made. Um, I have said, oh, exactly yeah, that. we stopped watching a bit back. So, yeah. Okay. So, so, but yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I genuinely try to say that point because it, okay. it, I mean, look, even in this uncomfortable questions video, like I said, this is going to be a question that comes up and I'm going to say, no, nah, I don't disclose that. And here's why it's a couple of reasons. That, and, yeah. And that'd be but good. I, I think I look, I mean, look, here, here's the thing I will say, and I'll say it even in this video. I make more than a hundred thousand dollars a year in putting video and content on the internet. So, like, if I'm just going to say, how much do I make on that side? It's more than 100000 I'm not going to say what, but it's just to give you an right. order of magnitude relative to, you know, I'll probably make somewhere between fifteen dollars and $20,000 from the farming operations this year. Like, it'll be in that range in terms of, uh, right. like, and so I'm not trying to pretend like that's the majority of my income even remotely. And, and like I said, I will put those right. numbers out there. But at the same time, like, you know... How, how do you try to make that realistic? And, you know, some of the decisions I'm going to make, given my situation, are different. So if I'm right. just exclusively trying to run a farm, I would do a lot of things differently. I would probably yeah, only grow trees because that's the most profitable thing to do. But honestly, right. growing trees is actually the worst performing thing for YouTube. And so, <laughs> like, I'm in this catch-22. Yeah, like, okay, I can, I, I, like I can make videos. lots of tree videos. Right. Look, there are a very small segment of folks who absolutely love them. Most people are like, eh, let me see something else. Let me see the cattle. Let me see this. Well, let the cute animals. Dog. Like, yeah. 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 Yes. And, and so that's the dilemma I have. And so because of my situation, I don't feel like I need to do exactly what I would do as a purist farmer because that would actually be the worst business decision that a true farmer wouldn't actually make for themselves because I would automatically be making less money by focusing on right. the most profitable product. And so right. I get that I'm in this weird world. And I, honestly, this year, I've been trying to update my uh, three-year plan for the farm or five-year plan for the right. farm. And I'm still struggling on what to do because, 
like the 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 situation I'm in is so abnormal relative to what somebody would do to say, well, how do you grow and scale your farm? And so I'm right. constantly struggling with how to strike the right balance there. It, it, and I don't have a good solution for it. And if anybody out there is hearing this, or if you have it, or your husband, I'm totally open to it. I just don't know how to. Okay, yeah, it's like I have a cheat code in a video game, right? And that's how I'm playing the video yeah. game. It's not like I, I'm lucky that I have this cheat code. I'm, I feel completely blessed and in, in recognize it's a privilege that many, many other folks don't have. But I don't know how not to use the cheat code. Like, And I feel like right. I'm not to use the cheat code. And, I, and so it's a dilemma that I face. And I don't want that to come off as like whining because, again, I know how lucky right. I am. But at the same time, I struggle with it. And I, I mean, I, and I, I talk about this a lot, but like if I won the lottery tomorrow, my life wouldn't drastically change. I might buy the farm next door. I might buy some more fancy equipment. Um, I might make a few less videos and just, you know, kind of take a week off here and there. Uh, but other than that, like I would still be making videos because I love it. I love the creative expression. I love engaging with people. I love telling stories like that's I'm super passionate about that. And I would want to be the one who's getting up every single morning and taking care of the animals because I absolutely love it. It's like my favorite thing to do, being out there and working around the farm and doing the chores daily. Like, and so, you know, if that's what I would really do if I won the lottery, you know, spending my days creating a gigantic tree nursery doesn't seem like a very smart choice either. And so it's, it's, it's very much the struggle I've had and I don't still have a good answer there. Well, I think then that's when you start with, you know, what product needs to be your top product and don't look at it necessarily from the profit standpoint although for a business you really do have to in the end but then i guess where i get you know again i get a little grumpy about the you know it's very easy for influencers to come across as everybody can do this and it's like yeah but you've got money coming in that we don't have, you know, and because I've I've been in conversations with homesteaders, you know, and, and when we started getting serious, oh, I set up the blog and I was going to do videos. And then I realized, like what you ran into. What's the goal for me? My goal was feeding my family. And if I was going to spend all that time and I wasn't going to have the time or the, you know, the numbers or anything, you know, it was going to take a long time to build up that side of the homestead. How was that going to feed my family? How did it meet my goal? You know, and so that's when I scaled way back. I was like, the the blog is not as important as making sure I'm taking care of our ducks or that I'm canning up those potatoes today. You know, like that's way more important. I've got to call the gal to make sure that we're ready to butcher these ducklings or, you know, whatever. But I would then challenge you to kind of do the same. Sit back and ask yourself, what is the goal and what product is your top level product? What's your second? What's your third? Because that's where you need to put your your time. And that's where you need to put your money, you know, and your resources and all of that. If your top product is the marketing and because it's paying for everything else and that's what brings you the most joy, then that's what you need to do. But then personally, I would probably make it clear that it's not necessarily a farm, but a homestead or you know, it's a, what my stepmom used to accuse my dad of all the time that he hated, it was a hobby farm. 
Because back in the 80s, I, we didn't always use the Homestead. I, I, I happily wear the label of Homestead. I, I happily wear the label yeah. of, hey, we Homestead. Like, we, we produce yeah. probably about 80% of our own food. Like, that I feel like is fair. Hobby yeah. car makes me cringe because it's like, oh, you're just not serious. You, you might as well be re- racing remote control cars there, bud. Like, and, and that, actually, yeah. I, I, that label drives me insane. <laughs> yeah, my my dad, it would just, he would glare at my stepmom every time because he hated, you know, she was like, oh, the hobby farmer. Because she'd grown up on a real farm. And he's like, stop it. You know, farmstead would make a lot of sense as a term. Oh, you know. I- I, yeah, yeah, no, I and, and I, I've actually thought about that before. Where it is, it's like what we do. I think is a hundred percent farmstead. Like I think we would right. fall squarely in that category because I do run this like a business. Like you know, despite appearances, right. sometimes I'm I, I actually think I'm a very much. I mean, this is where my my work background actually is. I I ran businesses and I was a you know kind of you know working at companies. That was my job, and and right. so that like is how I run the farm. But we do it at a smaller scale. We are producing a lot of food for ourselves, too, as part of that. Like, you know, bees, maple syrup, our garden. Like, I'm not selling any of that stuff. That's stuff that, like, really that's, keeps yeah. us going. Like, and, and that's there, there is that nuance versus, like, yeah, I mean, even, like, heck, even I, I even though I don't eat the duck eggs, but, like, the chicken eggs, that's, I eat three or four chicken eggs a day. Like, that's a huge portion of my, you know, food consumption comes in chicken like, or the chicken that we eat, like we're eating uh, one of the chickens that I raised this summer for dinner tonight. Like, that's what I'm going to go go down and cook later. Like, and so, yeah, that's there. Yeah. But then if I was just doing that stuff, that takes away from the business of a true, like, you know, big picture that everybody thinks is a, here's what a farm is kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, you do run into that. I mean, I remember, I think it was during the dog, the hunting dogs thing, which we were totally on your side with. I don't understand here in Michigan, people would just shoot the dogs. But anyway, uh, we're a little different. Why you shoot somebody? That it's not the dog's fault. Like I mean, that's how I feel. Yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> I'm just telling you what would happen here if somebody all of a sudden came on their property and had animals going after their farm animals. Legally, you yeah, you're taking a risk. Yeah, no. I but, <laughs> but um, we probably have a little bit higher gun ownership too. But anyway, I. You know, somebody was like, "Well, he's not a real farm," and I and I remember watching that video and hearing that statement. I was like, "Of course, he's a farm. First of all, he's got a pro- he's got a pro- farm product, and he has a profit. A homestead isn't supposed to be for profit. A homestead is to take care of the home and the family first. If you have excess, you sell out of the excess. Farmstead, I look at as this kind of that in between. You know, we do it, but not necessarily to scale. We're taking care of our family first, but the plan is to have excess to sell. But we have this other income that is what we really live on. You know, and and I would, I think that would make more sense. I I do think you run into the problem where you really have a highly varied audience. You have the people watching you who do know. You have the people, you know, they know and do. You know, you've got the people who don't do it anymore, but they still know. And you've got the people who don't do any of it, don't know any of it, but like the cute animals. And you've got to make all of them happy, because, or at least somewhat, because you've got to keep your numbers up. Feel my pain. You feel it. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. Hey, I taught middle school at high school, you know, for three years and... You got to deal with who you have. 
But I do think if you set up some ways to deal with making sure you're encouraging those who know and do to give you that feedback and making sure that they are safe to give feedback, you know, in your comment sections, if you do make it really clear that they're, you know, and I know you have, but like you said, not everybody's watching absolutely every video. And, you know, if you just kind of keep making it clear, you are, you want to be part of the conversation that this is the larger farmstead, homestead conversation we are having in our culture now. And, you know, hey, that person had some really good advice or whatever, but it's also okay to just make the really cute dog videos because, you know, everybody loves those. <laughs> but my husband would say we need more videos of the ducks. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, <laughs> that was a lot of why we stopped know, watching. And it's you're funny, like, yeah. Well, actually, so the video I'm going to shoot tomorrow, and this will you'll see how like the timing gets weirded because I'm usually about a week or two behind. Yeah. But it will be all I've I've now moved all of my birds back into the hoop coop for the winter, and so it, like, oh, it's wow. going to be a release the quacking video tomorrow. So or that I'm shooting tomorrow <laughs> that'll show up probably in like right. two weeks. Okay. <laughs> like around Thanksgiving. Yeah, we love that yeah. part. Like we're, every time we would watch a video, it was like, where are the ducks? Where where are the ducks? <laughs> Well, the more I add, the more animals I add, right? And I actually just butchered my pigs yesterday. Um, also to give you oh, okay. a sense, of, like here's oh, the that's so, yeah. Even yesterday, that was a lot of work for just for lots. People. Yeah, yeah, it is a lot of work. But and that's one of the things that I will admit I get grumpy with other. I will say more with other influencers. I think you've been really fair all along into how much work a lot of this stuff is behind the scenes. But like some of them, it's like, oh, yeah, we just butchered, you know, 100 chickens yesterday. It was fun. No big deal. No big deal, honey. 100 chickens? Why? Yeah, they're like, um, those of us who've done it know that's not, you know, like, oh, no big deal. Everybody can do this. Not everybody can do that. So so, so let me play, not that I agree, and I, and I try to act counter to that, but to play devil's advocate and, and kind of voice their perspective, right? You know, if they're out there just trying to say, hey, grow an audience and, and build things, like, you know, getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, doing 100 chickens or even just doing 25 ducks, like, which is like, I'd argue- Ducks are, harder. yeah. No, no, doing 25 ducks is twice as hard as doing 100 chickens in my mind. Like, no question about it. That's um, and, why and we like, use a processor now, I guess. <laughs> We found an Amish family that does it, and they do an amazing job for a very fair price. And we're just like, you've got the setup, and then we don't. But but I guess the, so. But here's the point that I'm, I was making in, in defense of others, and, and is that if you think of the potential audience, right? Somebody who has the knowledge that you have, right? They right. are a tiny portion. I'll say, like, out of a okay. hundred people like three people fall into the category of knowledge that you have who are watching and consuming content on YouTube or Instagram somewhere, right? That's probably fair. Remaining 97, the remaining 97 probably fall into a place where it's like, ooh, that could be fun someday, or I might like to do that someday. And so they're playing to the majority of their audience. And and I mean, that's what I, I, th I think I'm guilty of that too in a lot of right. ways. I try to be as open as I can and 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 be as realistic as I can. But even still, like, I mean, to your point, like, you know, I, I did a video on Saturday introducing a new call duck. If I was just a pure profit farm, I would never add a call duck into the mix. Call. But I but did it cute. because, number one, 
he's cute and he's a rescue and like he was like there was no home and a neighbor needed to get rid of him and I was like it'd be kind of fun to have this little guy running around let's give it a shot and that's why they I did sound it. hilarious so, oh they're oh he's he's I am so glad I added him just because like yeah he does nothing for my duck business but just the sheer joy I have of seeing him running around with the rest of the flock it's it's, it's amazing it's so funny. such a good decision but but that's also something that for most people, you know, that's going to really resonate with them. They're going to enjoy that video way more than somebody who right. wants me to go into the nitty gritties. And this is why I don't even make duck processing or goose processing videos anymore, where most of those people are going to be angry at me. Not even that they won't watch it. They will be right. actively angry if I make a video talking about, well, here's how we do a scald and then we'll do a pluck and then we'll do a wax. And then sometimes we might need to do a second cycle of it just to get it a fully clean bird. Like, nobody's going to want to watch that. And I, I will have, like, people coming at me with torches for making that video, too. And so, and then that makes sense. I've seen that. Me. And so, and so, like, that's why I don't make those types of videos anymore. And, and it's not because I don't do it. It's not because I don't think it's the right way to handle it. I try to give my animals a very good life and make it a very clean mm -hmm. ending. But the realities of content creation would have me do it a little bit differently and show something a little bit differently. When I look at others who aren't showing those types of things too, I have to imagine and give them the benefit of the doubt and think that they're in kind of a similar place. That's when I would say it's okay to still be honest even without showing it. Instead of saying, you know, oh, it was so easy for us to do this. No, honey, that wasn't easy. You can be honest and say it was a rough day. You know, it was really hard work, you know. And anybody who's done it is going, yeah, that was hard work. We really get it. And those who haven't are like, oh... So it isn't just, okay, so I probably should look into what I need to know if I'm going to do it. You know, it, it like, don't sugarcoat it. That's where I get grumpy when people are like, oh, anybody can grow this. I, yeah. I, and I, th I think you're spot on with that. And, and I think if I'm going to actually reflect on, like, society as a whole, like, step out of farming or homesteading, right? So many people in, like, internet content creation are often trying to say, let me sell you this idea. Let me sell you this approach. Let me sell you this thing. And it's like inherently based in consumerism. And the irony is that, yes, homesteading as a movement and as an it's activity not. has always almost been intentionally anti-consumerist. And so, yeah, it's, it is it is a cognitive dissonance for sure. I, I totally get it. Well, and then I can see how that creates issues with your business because you need sponsors. You know, you need the clicks, you need the the content that pays. But you're right. Homesteading is very anti-consumerist, you know, and so and you're definitely not the only one. I've seen so many influencers where it's like, oh, we just got this new thing. Um, did you need that? Can I afford that? Like, why are you doing a video on that? Oh, did they pay you for that? Oh, so they, they give like, OK, mm. The freeze dryers. <laughs> they're not going to be started. Because they're like six thousand dollars. Like... <laughs> That's more than my car was. But I'm just saying, you know, like everybody has to have a freeze dryer. Everybody has to have. And all these influencers were given it. They were they got them free. And then they're telling all their followers, you need to spend five thousand, six thousand dollars or more on this thing. Plus the electric costs, plus the blood, you know. And it's like, uh. But you didn't tell me you got it free or it's down in the small print under the video that you've got to click to expand. And 
Oh, oh, believe me. I well, and honestly, the I I had the opportunity to get a freeze dryer. I'll have you know, <laughs> and you know, essentially. Well, no, no, but essentially, I, I struggle with that as a model. And so, when I'm thinking about even like what sponsors and and things I do, I'm actually genuinely saying, hey, is this number one something that I use or would use and like that that becomes criteria one do i feel good about it and like you know that and i'll right. give those folks the benefit of the doubt too that those freeze dryers look pretty darn cool but i think the other dilemma i have is and you actually don't see me doing a lot of videos anymore where it's anything you know homesteading or farming related for the most part um where like i will basically just you know buy that stuff and just i are i'm much happier advertising a cereal that i really enjoy than you know trying to sell somebody on a freeze dryer because it just doesn't right. sit right with me because i think you're, you're right it like does create this expectation that's one thing that i've always appreciated in your videos is you will say they sent this to me i'm trying i tried it i like this like you're very clear about that there are a lot of influencers who aren't i don't know if that's part of the contract right. that they sign or what but it's like or they'll, they'll, like I said, they'll put it in the tiny little fine print or they'll quick do it at the very end of the video when most people will click away of, oh, by the way, I got this free. You know, if you're going to be sponsored, tell us, you know, make sure that we know. Because it does well, there, there, change. Well, there's some complicated state. things, right? Oh, completely. Yeah. So, so specifically, uh, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, has specific rules that content creators need to abide, abide by when they're disclosing what's going on. And so if somebody is paying you money to talk about something, you have to disclose that. And you have to, you even there's some best practices. Like I try to do it in the first 30 seconds of that video. Like, right. you know, today's video is sponsored by blah, blah, blah. And like, I try to make sure like in the first like 30 seconds, you're not confused. There's no, there's like right. a little tag on YouTube that you can check. Same thing with TikTok. Um, so that's number one. Number two, like if you're doing something where you get a commission, like so the freeze dryers actually fall into that case. Like if you're getting a commission for selling this freeze dryer and you get like 5% of purchase price or something like that, you need to disclose that when somebody's going to a link. Where it gets murky is when something's being sent to you for free. And do you need to disclose that it was sent to you for free? That's not necessarily considered payment. If you're doing a review, that's not necessarily considered payment. And so it's very, very murky in terms of what you can or can't do or what you shouldn't, shouldn't. I just try to err on the side of caution and be like, hey, look, yeah, this, you know, like, for example, like the e-bike I ride around, right? They sent me right. that for free. They said, hey, we want to give this to you. You can test it out and ride it. I freaking love that thing. I ride it yeah. multiple times a day. It's like it's it is the best tool I've added to the farm this entire year. But. Yeah, they gave it to me free. And so, I don't know, just should everybody go out there and spend $2,000 on an e-bike? I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say that. Am I glad right. I have this e-bike? Like 100%. And so, that's the balance. Now, when I made a video yeah. about the e-bike and first introduced it, I was very clear and transparent. But when you right. see me every day going out to the cattle and moving the cattle and I'm riding my bike and that's how I'm getting up there and Abby's chasing me along, I'm not necessarily disclosing that. And I, I think that that's a little bit of that struggle too of like, how frequently do you need to say something? Yeah. And, you know, and I can see where you're coming from because your farm and your marketing are so intertwined. And you do have to be careful of who your audience is. You know, and I could definitely see it'd be very difficult for you to do certain videos. Like, 
mostly because a lot of people who watch, and I see it in the comments anyway, clearly have never done it. Exactly. And and if you think about it this way too, right? Like this, the, the platforms themselves, right? Like I have learned a tremendous amount of information from YouTube over the years, like going back to when I was in Washington, D.C., dreaming of one day starting a farm. You know, I'd watch YouTube videos like Jack Spierko's videos about the Duck Chronicles were the first things that got me into right. the idea of raising ducks. Now, they are not offering something that I was getting it for free, essentially, or quote unquote free. But, you know, they were running advertising in it. That's how YouTube or Google actually pays for a massive platform like YouTube. And so there is this dilemma that, yes, there is a learning value to it. But there is that automatic trade off that happens of, of commerce in that you giving your eyeballs and you giving your time creates money for somebody else, whether that's going to the right. content creator, whether that's going to the platform or whether that's going to the advertiser. You always have to think about like who's in play in that trade off. And that's that's just inherent to the business of Internet, just like it was inherent to television right. and to newspapers and anything else. Well, I know like when we were I'm old enough um I remember when we were having those conversations in education. You know, can we use YouTube videos? They have advertising. And now we all do it without even thinking about it. But the advertising and the merchandising and, and all of that, it's all become intertwined. And I think it's always important to kind of take a step back. And I think it would be fair if you said things like the social media money paid for this. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I enjoyed having that conversation. And I personally got a ton out of it. And I am eternally grateful to Karina for taking the time to have the conversation with me, as well as her willingness to be really direct and honest with me. It's it's so appreciated. And I don't know, quite frankly, I find it makes all the difference in the world to get feedback like that. Now, now just a couple of follow-up items to, to really reflect on related to that conversation. Number one, please be nice to her if you run into her on social media. Because she was critical of me does not mean anybody should be harassing her or bullying her. And like I said, I actually appreciated the conversation we had and the fact that she was willing to put herself out there and have that conversation with me. Second, to Karina's point that she made at one point in the conversation, you know, when you see somebody in the comments and, and they're criticizing me or offering me feedback or telling me how I might be able to do something different or better... Don't use that as an opportunity to pile onto them. Really ask some questions about what they're saying and try to understand what they're saying and why they're saying it, because they might be offering some really good advice that's based on experience. And I personally value that. And when folks pile on them because they just dislike the fact that they're critiquing me, I don't think that that's a good thing. And then number three, I feel like this conversation requires a part two. And specifically, and specifically, I wanted to have a very direct and honest conversation with a homesteader who also creates YouTube content and has a business model that's actually somewhat similar to my own. And so next week's podcast episode is going to be a special one where my friend Jess, who does some things very similar to me, she and I are going to have a conversation talking about the challenges of being a YouTube homesteader, as well as give you some insight and transparency to how our businesses actually work. And so stay tuned for that episode. It'll be out next Friday. And until then, be sure to check out my new book, Toby Dog of Goldshaw Farm. Actually, ironically enough, my friend Jess wrote the forward to that book. And I will be back with another podcast episode really, really soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We walk the fields on
under the stars, but love is here, gold shall find.